everybody, it's BF here, and today I'll be reading The Chronicles of Narnia, The Horse and His Boy, Chapter 2, A Wasteland Adventure. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 2, A Wasteland Adventure. It was nearly noon on the following day when Shasta was wakened by something warm and soft moving over his face. He opened his eyes and found himself staring into the long face of a horse. Its nose and lips were almost touching his. He remembered the exciting events of the previous night and sat up. But as he did, so he groaned. Oh, Bree, he gasped. I'm so sore. All over. I can hardly move. Good morning, small one, said Bree. I was afraid you might stiff. It can't be the falls. You didn't have more than a dozen or so, and it was all lovely soft springy turf that must have been almost a pleasure to fall on and the only one that might have been nasty was broken by that gorse bush no it's the riding itself that comes hard at first what about breakfast i've had mine oh bother breakfast bother everything said shasta i tell you i can't move but the horse nuzzled at him with its nose and pawed him gently with the hoof until he had to get up. And then he looked about him, and he saw where they were. Behind him lay a little copse. Before them the turf, dotted with white flowers, sloped down to the brow of a, cl- of a cliff. Far below them, so that the sound of the breaking news was breaking waves was very faint, lay the sea. Shasta had never seen it from such a height, and never seen so much of it before, nor dreamed how many colors it had. On either hand of the coast stretched away, headland after headland, and at the points you could see the white foam running up the rocks, like no noise because it was so far off. There were gulls flying overhead, and the heat shivered on the ground. It was a blazing day. But what Shasta chiefly noticed was the air. He couldn't think what was missing, until at last he realized there was no smell of fish in it, for, he real, for, of course, neither the cottage nor among the nets, he had never been away from that smell in his life. And this new air was so delicious, and all his old life seemed so far away, that he forgot a moment about his bruises and his aching muscles and said, I say, Bree, didn't you say something about muscle- breakfast? Yes, I did, answered Bree. I think you'll find something in the saddlebags. They're over there, on that tree, where you hung them up last night. Or early this morning, rather. They investigated the saddlebags, and the results were cheering. A meat pasty only slightly stale, a lump of dried figs, and another lump of green cheese, a little flask of wine, and some money. About 40 crescents in all, which is more than Shasta had ever seen. While Shasta had sat down painfully and cautiously, with his back against a tree inserted on the pasty, Bree had a few more mouthfuls of of grass to keep him company. Won't it be Stealing to use the money? asked Shasta. Oh, said the horse, looking up with his mouth full of grass. I'd never thought of that. A free horse and a talking horse mustn't steal, though, of course, but I think it's all right. Or prisoners and captives in an enemy country. That Moody's booty. Spoil. Besides, how are you supposed to get food for you without it? Like all hum- I suppose, like all humans, you won't eat natural food like grass and oats. I can't. Ever tried? Yes, I have. I can't get it down at all. You couldn't either if you were me. You 
You, you're a wrong little creature, the humans, remarked Bree. When Shasta had finished his breakfast, which was by far the nicest he had ever eaten, Bree said, I think I'll have a nice roll before you put on that saddle again. And he proceeded to do so. That's good. <laughs> That's very good, he said, rubbing on his back on the turf and waving all four legs in the air. Oh, you ought to have one too, Shasta, he snorted. It's the most refreshing. But Shasta burst out laughing and said, You do look funny when you're on your back. I look nothing of the sort, said Bree. And suddenly he rolled around on the side, raised his head, and looked hard at Shasta, blowing a little. Does it really look funny? He asked in an anxious voice. Yes, it does, replied Shasta. But what does it matter? You don't think, do you, said Bree, that it might be a thing talking horses ever do. Never do. A silly clownish trick I've, heard, I've learned from the dumb ones. It'd be dreadful to find, but when I get back to Narnia, that I picked up a lot of low, bad habits. What do you think, Shasta? Honestly, now, don't spare my feelings. Do you think the real free horses, the talking kind, do roll? How should I know? Anyways, I don't think I should bother about it if I were you. We've got to get there first. Do you know the way? I know my way to Tashban, but after that comes the desert. Oh, we'll manage the desert somehow. Never fear. Why, we'll be inside the northern mountains. Then, think of it, to Narnia in the north. Nothing will stop us then. But I'd be glad to be past Tashban. You and I are safer away from cities. Can't we avoid it? Without, without, not without going a long way inland. And that would take us into cultivated lands and main roads. And I wouldn't know the way. So we'll just have to creep along the coast. Up here on the downs, we'll meet nothing but sheep and rabbits and gulls and a few shepherds. And, by the way, what about starting? Shasta's legs ached terribly as he saddled Bree and climbed into the saddle, but the horse was kindly to him and went a soft pace all afternoon. When evening twilight came, they dropped by steep tracks into a valley and found a village. Before they got into it, Shasta dismounted and entered it on foot to buy a loaf and some onions and radishes. The horse trotted by the fields in the dusk and met Shasta by at the far side. This became the regular plan every second night. These were great days for Shasta, and every day better than his last, as his muscles hardened and he fell less awful. I mean, often. Even at the end of his training, Breeze still said he sat like a bag of flour in the saddle. And even if it was safe, young one, I'd be ashamed to be seen with you on the main road. In spite of this, his rude words, Bree was a patient teacher. No one could teach riding so well as a horse. Shasta learned to trot, to canter, to jump, and even keep a seat when Bree pulled up suddenly or swung unexpectedly to the left or the right, which, as Bree told him, was a thing you might have to do at any moment in a battle. And then, of course, Be Shasta begged to be told of the battles and wars which Bree had to be had carried the Tarkin. And Bree would tell of forced marches and the fording of swift rivers, of charges and a fierce fight between cavalry and cavalry, when the war horses fought as well as the men, being all fierce stallions, tri stallions trained to bite and kick, and to rear at the right moments so that the horses' weight, as well as the riders, would come down on an enemy's crest in the stroke of a sword or a battle axe. But Bree did not want to talk about the wars as often as Shasta wanted to hear about. Don't speak of them, youngster, he would say. 
There were only the Tisrocks War, and I fought them as a slave and a dumb beast. Give me the Narnian Wars, and, I'll sh and I shall fight, where I shall fight as a free horse among my own people. Those, those, those will be wars worth talking about. To Narnia in the north, brah, soon learned when he heard Bree talking like that. Prepare for a gallop. After that, tra they traveled on for weeks and weeks, past more bays and headlands, and rivers and villages that Shasta could remember. There came a moonlit night when they started their journey at evening, having slept during the day. They had left the downs behind them and were crossing at a wide plain with a forest about half a mile away on their left. The sea, hidden by low sand hills, was, was about the same distance on their right. They had jogged along for about an hour, sometimes trotting and sometimes walking, when Bree suddenly stopped. What's up, said Chester? Shh, said Bree, craning his neck around and twitching his ears. Did you hear something? Listen. Sounds like another horse between us and the wood, said Chester after he listened for about a minute. It is another horse, said Bree, and that's what I don't like. Isn't it probably just a farmer riding home late, said Chester with the yawn. Don't tell me, said Bree. That's not a farmer riding. That's nor a farmer's horse either. Can't you tell by the sound? That's quality, that horse is, and it's being ridden by a real horseman. I tell you what it is, Shasta. There's a Tarkin under the edge of that wood. Not on his war horse. It's too light for that. On a fine blood mare, I should say. Well, it's stopped now, whatever it is, said Shasta. You're right, said Bree. And why should he stop when we do, Shasta, my boy? I do believe that there's someone shadowing us at last. What shall, what shall we do? Said Shasta. In a lower whisper before, number four. Do you think he can see us as well as hear us? Not in this light, so long as we stay quite still, answered Bree. But look, there's a cloud coming up. I'll wait till that gets over the moon. And then we'll get off to a ride as quietly as we can down to the shore. We can ride around among the sand hills if the worst comes to the worst. They waited until a cloud covered the moon, and then first had a walking pace, and afterward at a gentle trot made for the shore. The cloud was bigger and thicker than they had looked at first, and soon the night grew very, very dark. Just as Shasta was saying to himself, we must be nearly at those sand hills by now. His heart leaped into his, into his mouth, and, and because an appalling noise had suddenly risen out of the darkness ahead, a long, snarling roar, mencholy and utterly savage, instantly, Bree swerved around and began galloping inland as fast as he could gallop. What is it? gasped Shasta. Lions, said Bree, without checking his pace or turning his head. After that, there was nothing but sheer galloping for some time. At last, they splashed across a wide, shallow stream, and Bree came to a stop on the far side. Shasta noticed that he was trembling and sweating all over. That water may have thrown the brute off her scent, panted Bree, when he partly got his breath again. <sighs> we can walk for a bit now. As they walked, Bree said, Shasta, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm just as frightened as a common, dumb, calamine horse. I am really. I don't feel like a talking horse at all. I don't mind swords and lances and arrows I can hear. 
or bear, those creatures. I think I'll trot for a bit. About a minute later, however, he broke into a gallop again. And no wonder, for, for the ro roar broke out again, this time on their left from the direction of the forest. Ugh, two of them, moaned Gree. When they had galloped for several minutes without any further noise from the lions, Shasta said, I say, that other horse is galloping beside us now, only a stone's throw away. All the better, the better, Pepsi Bree, tarking on it. We'll have a sort of protect us all. But Bree, said Shasta, we might as well be killed by lions as caught, or I might. They'll hang me for horse stealing. He seemed less frightened of lions than Bree, because he had never met a lion. Bree had. Bree only snorted in answer, but he did sheer away to his right. Oddly enough, the other horse seemed also to be shearing away to the left, so that in a few seconds the space between them had widened a good deal. But as soon as it did, there were they came two more lions roars immediately after one another one on the right and the other one on the left and the horses began drawing near together so apparently the lions the roaring of the birds on each side was horribly close and they seemed to be keeping up with the galloping horses quite easily then the crowd rolled away the moonlight astonishingly bright showed up everything almost as if it were broad day the two horses and the two riders were galloping neck to neck and knee to knee just as if they were in a race Indeed, Breed said afterwards that a finer race had never been seen in Callerman. Shasana gave himself up for loss and began to wonder whether lions killed you quickly or played with you as a cat plays with a mouse, and how much it would hurt. At the same time, one sometimes does this at the most frightful moments, he noticed something. He saw that the other rider was a very small, slender person, male-clad, the moon shone on the uh, male, and riding significantly. He had no beard, and something flat and shining was spread out before them. Before Shasta had time to even guess what it was, there a great splash, and he found his mouth half full of salt water. The shining thing had been a long inlet of the sea. Both horses were swimming, and the water was up to Shasta's knees. There was an angry roaring behind them, and looking back, Shasta saw a great, shaggy, and terrible shape crouched on the water's ed edge. But only one. Phew! We must have shaken off the other lion, he thought. The lion apparently did not think its prey w was worth a wedding. And it made no attempt to take the w to the water in pursuit. The two horses, side by side, were well out into the middle of the creek, and the opposite shore could be clearly seen. The Tarkin had not yet spoken a word, but he will, thought Shasta, as soon as we have landed. What am I to say? He began thinking out a story. Then suddenly, two voices spoke at a sigh. Oh, I am so tired, one said the one. Hold your tongue, Howen. Don't, um, don't be a fool, said the other. I'm dreaming, thought Shasta. I could have sworn that other horse spoke. And the horses were no longer swimming and walking and soon with a great sound of water running of their sides and tails. 
with the great crunching of the pedals, pebbles under each hoofs, they came on the further beach of the inlet to Sargon. To Shasta's surprise, showed no wish to ask questions. He did not even look at Shasta, but seemed to anxious to urge his horse straight on. Bree, however, at once sh shouldered himself in the other horse's way. Brua! He snorted. Steady there. I heard you. I did. There's no good pretending. Ma'am, I heard you. You're a talking horse. A Narnian horse just like me. And what's that got to do with if she is? Said the strange rider fiercely, laying a hand on the sword hilt. But in the voice in which the words are spoken, but already told Shasta something. Wife, it's only a girl, he exclaimed. And what business of yours? If I'm only a girl, snapped the stranger, and you're probably only a boy, a rude, common little boy, a slave probably, who's stolen his master horse. That's all you know, said Shasta. He's little, he's not a little chief, thief, little Tarkina, said Bree, at least. If there's been any stealing, you might just as well say I stole him. And as if, and as for it's not being my business, you wouldn't expect me to pass a lady of my own race in this strange country without speaking to her. It's only natural I should. And I think it's natural, too, said the mare. I wish you could just hold your tongue, Howen, said the girl. Look at the trouble you've got us into. I don't know about trouble, she said Shasta. You can clear off as soon as you like. We shan't keep you. No, you shan't, said the girl. What quarrelsome creatures these humans are, said Bree to the mare. They're as bad as mules. Let's try to talk a little sense. I take it, ma'am, your story is the same as mine. Captured in the early youthful years of slavery among the Calabrians. Too true, sir, said the mare with a, with a melancholy whinny. And now, perhaps, escape? Tell him to mind his own business, Howen, said the girl. No, I won't, Aravis, said the mare, putting her ears back. This is my escape just as much as yours. I'm sure a noble war horse like this is not going to betray us. We are trying to escape to get to Narnia, and so of course are we, said Bree. Of course, you try to guess at once. A little boy in rags riding or trying to ride a war horse at dead of night couldn't mean anything but an escape of some sort. And, if I must say so, a high-born Tarkina riding alone at night, dressed up in her brother's armor, very anxious for everyone to mind her own, their own business and ask her no questions. Well, if that's not fish me, fishy, call me a cob. All right, then, said Aravis. You've guessed it. Howen and I are running away. We're trying to get to Narnia. And now, what about it? In that case, what is to prevent us all going together? I trust, Madam Howen. Will you accept such assistance and protection I may be able to keep you on the journey? Why do you keep talking to my horse instead of me, asked the girl. Excuse me, Tarkina, with Bree, just the slightest backwards tail to the ear. That's Calamine talk. We're free Narnians, Howen and I. But I suppose if you're running away to Narnia, you might want to be one too. In that case, Harwin, Howen isn't your horse anymore. Might just say you're her human. The girl opened her mouth to speak and then stopped. Obviously, she had not seen it in that light before. Still, she said in a moment, moment's pause, I, I don't know that there is so much point in getting all together. Aren't we more likely to be noticed? Less, said Bree, the mare, and the mare said, Oh, do let's. I feel much more comfortable. We're not even certain of the way. 
But I'm sure a great charger like this knows far more than we do. Oh, come on, Bree, said Shasta, and let them go their own way, said Shasta. Can't you say they don't want us? We do, said Howard. Look here, said the girl. I don't mind going with you, Mr. Warhorse, but what about this boy? How do I know he's not a spy? And why don't you say it once you think I'm not good enough for you, said Shasta. Be quiet, Shasta, said Bree. The Tarkina's question is quite reasonable. I'll vouch for the boy, Tarkina. He's been true to me and a good friend. He is certainly either a Narnian or an Archenlander. All right, then. Let's go together. But she didn't say it to anything to Shasta, but it was obviously, that was obvious that she wanted Bree, not him. Splendid, said Bree. And now you've got the water between us and those dreadful animals. What have you two, What about you two humans taking off our saddles and having a rest and hearing one another's stories? Both the children unsettled their horses, and the little grass and arabus produced gathered rather nice things to eat from her saddlebag. <laughs> but Shasta sulked and said no thanks, and that he wasn't hungry. And he tried to put on what he thought was very grand and stiff manners. But for a fisherman's hut, it's not usually a good place for learning grand manners. And the result was dreadful. And what he half knew, and he half knew, wasn't a success. And he became sulkier and more awkward than ever. Meanwhile, the two horses were getting on splendidly. They remembered the very same places in Narnia, the grasslands up above Beaver's Dam, and they found that they were some sort of second cousins once removed. This thing more and more uncomfortable for the humans, until at last Bree said, And now, Tarkina, your story. And don't hurry it. I'm feeling comfortable now. Aravis immediately begun, sitting quite still, and rather different tone and style from her usual one. For in Calorman, storytelling, whether the stories are true or made up, is the thing you, you're taught, just as English boys and girls taught essay, are taught essay writing. The difference is that people want to hear the story, whereas... I had never heard anyone who wanted to read the essays. That was a very long chapter. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy that chapter. Uh, the next chapter is called Chapter 3 at the Gates of Tarshman. I hope you guys enjoyed. See ya!